We've talked a lot about the Steelers draft class and how strong we feel it is coming out of the draft process. But let's talk about how specifically this draft class could impact Najee Harris and the Steelers run game. We'll go over that and much more here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And like I said, We've talked about this draft class. We've talked about Broderick Jones, Keanu Benton, Joey Porter Jr., Darnell Washington, down the line. We've addressed uh, Nick Herbig even, Corey Trice. We've talked about all, all these guys, and we'll keep talking about them. But I want to take a step back here on a show by myself today where how does this impact Najee Harris? Because truly the Steelers, they've been in a rebuild. We've been talking about this rebuild with Kenny Pickett and everything they've been doing. But a key piece of this rebuild – was to get Najee Harris, who was projected to be the top running back of his draft class back when they selected him in 2021, and to be the guy who could kind of carry the offense while they looked for their new franchise quarterback, and now that they believe they have him and Kenny Pickett, while he develops into that franchise quarterback. The run game hasn't manifested just yet, but we did see signs of life toward the ends of last season, and I think with this draft class, it more accentuates the strengths that you were that the Steelers were finding towards the end of this, uh, the end of last season. And that's not just the draft class, it's also the free agency class. But let's revisit for a second some of the numbers that go into last season and what we saw. Because if you remember, the Steelers came out first first eight weeks of the season, two and six, everyone saying, well, this is like Mike Tomlin's first ever losing season. It's going to happen. They're falling apart. They're just going to need to tear everything down and build, from, and build again from scratch. But then in the second half of the season, they finished seven and two. And that gets them, that gets them just short of the playoffs. But the, a big part of that strength was, one, the return of T.J. Watt, which can't be overstated, but two, also a surge in, in the run game. And we talked about this after the season. But you go back over the numbers. Over the first eight games, the Steelers averaged 94.9 rushing yards per game. That would have that, if, if that was their season-long average, that would have been the, the fourth-worst average in all of, all of the NFL, just ahead of the Chargers, who don't run, who don't run much because they have Justin Herbert, and the Texans, who were just utterly terrible last year. But in the last nine games of the season, they averaged 146 rushing yards per game. If that had been maintained throughout the season, that would have been seventh best behind the Eagles, but ahead of the Cowboys and the 49ers, all successful running teams that are competitive right now. Point being, the Steelers were finding ways to click, and they were finding ways to work with both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren last year. And that was with an offensive line that was figuring itself out, coming together, working to coalesce, and started to do so at the end of last season. But there was no first-round draft pick on that line, and that and that, that offensive line was working with a left guard, Kevin Dotson, whereas this year it projects to have Isaac Smallow, a guy that they, get, they brought in from the Eagles, who was part of their team that won the NFC Championship, and a significant part that Eagles fans were sad to see go. So the question is, can Najee Harris 
finally get get a chance to get going and become the offensive weapon that we think uh, that we think he can be. Now, I I, I I definitely think so because I've seen Najee Harris when he gets go, going in games. We've seen him tear te- get get loose and tear and tear up games like against the Browns, like games where he's kind of where he's been able to put the Steelers on his back a little bit, take the tough yards, take the tough runs. But something we've talked about too was Najee Harris in most of his time with the Steelers was put in positions where he was often running into brick walls. The offensive line wasn't opening up holes or where he thought they were opening up holes. They were letting guys through and there was clear miscommunications. And then there were plenty of times where Najee Harris was not trusting that a hole would be there because the blocking hadn't been there. And then the hole was there and there was a lot of confusion. But again, that confusion went away towards towards the end of last season. And now with Broderick Jones, who projects to be a much better run blocker than a pass blocker, at least coming into the NFL and what his tape says. They brought in Isaac Samalo, another physical guy, physical guy who can be on the offensive line. Even getting Darnell Washington, who we were just talking about on yesterday's show, about projecting to be a guy who can help a lot in run blocking. All those things add up to me to being an offense that can be physical, can dominate, or as Mike Tomlin has been quoted by Keanu Benton is saying, goons now we'll get to the goon talk a little bit later because that's a that's a whole other thing uh but the idea that the Steelers this is part of what we've been saying all along they want to run the ball more they want to out physical their opponents that's who the Steelers have been when they've been at their best at several different parts of the franchise and I think Broderick Jones plays plays into that Darnell Washington plays into that even on the defensive side of the ball Joey Porter Jr. and Keanu Benton they're both physical players before anything else and Najee Harris He's about that physicality. That's what, you know, what that's what worked for him so well at Alabama. He feeds off of it. He works into it, and that's what he wants to be able to do. And I think the Steelers, they want to feed him in those moments. And when we go back and we look at some of the weaknesses that the Steelers have had in recent seasons, you go back to 2021, they finished dead last in rushing defense, and that was something that they swore would never happen again. This year, they finished in the top 10. The year before that, they finished dead last in rushing offense, which led them to drafting Najee Harris. They've been wanting to change those two things. And, somehow, and in fact, when they had the worst rushing stat in 2020, they were 12-4. and four. They found a way to mitigate it with defense and a veteran quarterback play from Ben Roethlisberger in an offense that he was all, he was all too, too familiar with. And this is where I think it's going to be completely different now. You're not basing an offense around, you know, an older quarterback who needs to know the system. You're basing an offense off of its strengths. And right now, I think you look at this roster, at least on paper, its strengths are going to be up front and it's able to its ability to make to make plays at the line of script at the line of scrimmage, winning with the at the at the line of scrimmage with your offensive line, and then trusting Najee Harris to get yards there, and also building off of that, calling play action, something we talked about yesterday on the show as well. But being able to call play action, catch defenses off guard when they see that you're winning the physical battles, because that didn't happen enough for the Steelers last year. And then when they, you catch them off guard, you find open guys, and that opens up opportunities for Kenny Pickett last year. The Steelers, when playing when playing in that second half stretch of the season, they won six games where their rushing yards were either their rushing yards compared to their passing yards were 50 yards less or or they were more than their passing yard, 50 yards or less or more than their passing yards, meaning that either there was a very close balance in how much they gained through the air versus how much they gained through the ground, or they gained more on the ground that they threw the air. And they were six and zero in those situations. Now 
you'll probably sit there and think, well, yeah, Chris, when teams are are winning, they probably run the ball more. Well, the Steelers never really had too many big leads to defend this year, so they I don't think that they they fit into that category. But one thing that they do fit into is when we look look at how that how they played last year, they were playing to protect Kenny Pickett. They wanted to limit how many different odd odd situations he was put in. They were trying to trust their offensive line, trust the trust Najee Harris to not turn the ball over, and for that the defense will keep team keep teams close enough so that at the end of the game, they get the offense can strike when necessary, and that's when they'll take their risks if they have to take them. Um, and that worked out last year. That's not how it needs to be this year, and that's why I want to keep talking to you all about because I don't. Th- whereas I do think you still want to have that run that run pass balance. You don't want it in the way that you had to have it last year, and I think that's going to be the key difference that makes the 2023 Steelers better the 2022 Steelers. We'll talk more about that in a second here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But first, before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at Build Bar. Build Bar is, of course, the ultimate protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you want a delicious treat that, that doesn't bring all the fat and the calories, this is your chance to get a Built Bar. Now, Built Bar is co- are covered. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're, they're stuffed with so many different flavors, from from churro to peanut butter, brownie to uh, to coconut almond. There's so many different things for you to try. But when you get any of these flavors, whatever you like, they're only packing 130 calories. They're only packing four grams of sugar, but somehow they fit 17 grams of protein into every Built Bar. And that is what is their secret to making them so awesome. You don't need to wait around to get a box anymore either. For years, we told you to go to built.com and order your flavors from, from there, deliver right to your door. Now you can walk into your local Walmart and Sam's Club and pick up built bars right there. That's right. Head to Walmart today. You can go to their pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. Pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box and you can get flavors like brownie batter and tro. Trust me. When you, when you try Built Bars, you'll thank me later because you'll be trying the best protein bars in America, and that is Built Bar. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're continuing our discussion here, talking about how the Steelers draft class impacts specifically Najee Harris and the run game and why that's so important for the Steelers' identity in 2023 and beyond. Now, again, I go back and I look back to last season, and there were times they had to run the ball. They had to play great defense. They didn't want to put Kenny Pickett in those situations. And frankly, it makes sense. The Steelers were th- you know, Kenny Pickett and the Steelers were throwing a lot of interceptions in the, in the first half of the season. Uh, you know, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky threw a couple himself in, in against the Patriots and the Browns. Kenny Pickett threw, what, three against the Jets, uh, threw three again against the Dolphins, two against the Bills, two against the Eagles. But then in the second half of the season, you only throw, saw him throw interceptions, one to the Raiders and one to the Browns. Uh, but he didn't throw another interception throughout that second half stretch of the season because they were protecting him. Now, when the Steelers are running the ball, I don't think they'll be doing it to protect him as much. They'll be doing it because they'll be better at it. And that's the big key here. Can Broderick Jones come in at left tackle along with Isaac Samalo and make that left side of the Steelers' offensive line a more dominant unit? We saw the middle be solidified with, with Mason Cole. We saw the right side look better with James Daniels next to Chikuma Korafor. 
And, but we couldn't see this whole offensive line win too many reps where completely together, they all moved the defensive line. And that's what the Steelers offensive line with that, that made Le'Veon Bell go. That's what they did so well. They were, they were all together often and the Steelers kept, so it kept the same five starters for at least four years, which was a very long time to keep a starting offensive line together. If you compare it to other teams in the NFL, but when they did that, they were doing so because that group was moving people and they were they were getting guys off the ball. They were creating space for Le'Veon Bell. And so that allowed Le'Veon Bell, when we look back to his prime, to use his fancy feet. He always had his feet chopped and he could always change, uh, change directions and get things going. But he wasn't having to worry about defenders two yards behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage. He could often get two, two three yards behind ahead of the line of scrimmage and then make his first move or make it even later than that. But that's what the Steelers have to get back to doing pushing people around, being more physical than them, and that way Najee Harris finds the space to make those plays, as will Jalen Warren, and when that happens, that forces defenses to think more. Hey, do we load up bigger on personnel? Do we get in bigger strong, bigger linebackers? Do we get in more defensive linemen? Do we take this safety off the field? Do we take the slot corner off the field? And then you try to find the mismatches. And I want to talk more about the 12 personnel packages because I know some of you do want to talk about that. We're going to have on Doran Dickerson next week, former Pitt tight end who works at 93.7 The Fan right now, uh, and an NFL tight end who played for the for the Patriots. I want to get his perspective specifically on the, on the tight end position for the Steelers. We'll talk about that with him next week. But I do think that that, that balance that we've been talking about, that's the key that we're looking at across the board. When we're, when we're talking about the Steelers team taking the next step forward. Yes, it requires Kenny Pickett to step up. Yes, it requires Matt Canada to not Matt Canada. It requires Najee Harris to, to step up. But it also requires that offensive line to beat opponents at the line of scrimmage. And they, I think Omar Khan, we talked about this all throughout the offseason, whether it was bringing in Samalo, whether it was drafting Broderick Jones, he's added guys here to the Steelers roster that, that are, I think are going to only help them take that step forward a bit quicker. Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson did a fine job in their year. And you can go back to my grades of them. Dan Moore Jr. got the lowest of the grades. I think Kevin Dotson, I gave a C. But when you look at look, when you look at, the, at, at that side of the line, that was clearly the weakness when you looked at the starting five. Now you add in two guys that project to have high value and should come in, coalesce well, and they're not looking for an identity anymore. The other thing to remember is they had a new offensive line coach last year in Pat Meyer. They had a new offense that they were really learning, even though Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator in 2021. He wasn't he, he wasn't necessarily I don't think that was ever his real offense because it was still revolving around Ben Roethlisberger. But now he's he's able to shape this offense with Kenny Pickett and you're going to have Kenny Pickett in training camp knowing that he is the starter, not coming in as the third string guy who has to work his way up to the second string and then eventually take the spot off of Mitch Trubisky and then get used to the first team. No, he's earned his stripes and he's gotten there and now he's ready coming off of this offseason to be together with those guys, just as the offensive line will have that opportunity. Because remember, last year going to the training camp, we weren't sure what the offensive line was going to look like. We were thinking, okay, will Kendrick Green start over, over Kevin Dotson at left guard? Kendrick Green didn't even play. Um, you know, what will happen? Will Mason Cole be good? Will James Daniels be good? Will Chukumo Korfor, you know, switch to left tackle for Dan Moore Jr.? 
a lot of different things were considered. But now you kind of have your foundation here. Mason Cole's your center. James Daniels, your right guard. Chuk Chooks can stay, can stay at right tackle. Now you get to add two guys who I think are pretty obvious to be there. And then you still have depth with Dotson, who's still on the roster. Moore, who's still on the roster. You added uh, Nate Herbig, older brother, to Nick Herbig, uh, the, the, off, the outside linebacker they drafted out of Wisconsin. But now you have legitimate options at different positions to fill in if someone gets hurt. And again, you're getting a chance for everyone to kind of come in. And this is the identity. There's no questioning anymore what the Steelers need to be good at or what they plan to be good at or what's going to happen there. It's going to be about executing, beating someone to the punch. And when you're setting the tone in games, that gives you that chance to, to, to set the tone. That It gives you the chance to kind of keep an opponent off guard. And then you dictate the terms of engagement moving forward. That's all part of of how I think the Steelers can be a much better team. And again, it revolving around Najee Harris. If we see this guy making the plays, if he's able to make a guy miss at four or five yards downfield instead of, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and then making there, and there's not to say that he's not going to have to do that. Sometimes defenses get in the backfield. It happens. But there were so many regular times throughout the early part of the season where he was get where he was get having to deal with those guys almost every play at the line of scrimmage and not in a way where it's just one-on-one in space and he just has to beat them. He was dealing with them in, t- in times that were tough. And listen, Najee Harris isn't without, without blame. He certainly missed plenty of opportunities himself. But I think when you see a collective group come together and you see guys start to play together more and guys start to – better players start to play around each other uh, more – you'll see improvement from them. And I think you even saw that. You go back, again, go back and look to the 2010s Steelers offensive line. Ramon Foster was there, but Ramon was able to play better when you had a Marquise Pouncey on his right, when you had David DeCastro on the offensive line, when Marcus Gilbert was there, when Villanueva was there. And, you know, and that left side of that line back then, they were definitely not the strongest part of the offensive line, but they were strong and it helped having them, having guys to the right of them that were truly talented and setting the tone for the offense and for the offensive line. So all that being said, I really think that the key to the Steelers right now is maintaining the progress with the offensive line, making sure Najee Harris is is able to eat and get plenty of yards. And then everything comes off of that. I truly think if they bring that there, Kenny Pickett, we've seen him do the offseason workouts. We've seen him go through, uh, go through and try to improve. And we've seen him kind of improve from last year. You know, we, so we, we, you know, he talked about how he wanted to make sure that when he made a mistake in a game, he didn't make it again. He wanted to erase things. And we saw that with, again, only throwing two interceptions in the second half of the season, whereas he had games, multiple games where he threw three interceptions uh, in, in the first, in the first half of the season. So I, I think that you can trust Kenny Pickett will get better. I don't think that he'll become our world just yet. I think that he can get to being one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he can be a, a good to de- a decent to good quarterback, but all of that will be, I think, based off of how strong and how dominant the run game is to take the attention off of him and to give him the opportunity to make plays while the defense isn't sure about what he's trying to do or just specifically sitting back and saying, we're not scared of your run game because you can't run the ball. We're not scared of your pass game because we know you can't throw deep. We're going to sit on these few things that we've seen you do on tape. Taking away that that factor from a defense can do a lot from an offense that finished 26th in scoring last year, 23rd in overall yards. Again, as we talked about earlier this week, I believe it was the, the Tuesday episode, this has to be the year that Matt Canada's offense at, is, is uh, ranking up there. It doesn't have to be top 10, but has to be right, 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 right above that area. It needs to be 11, 12, 13, 14 at the, le- at the, least, le- at the least. They have to be able to put those numbers up. 
We've talked a lot of offense so far in this in this show. I want to talk a little bit about defense, and I got a friend here to help me do it because we're going to talk about the steel, one of the Steelers' additions they've made in free agency during the draft, which was a signing of a slot corner, but other moves that Omar Khan has to make. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're continuing the show here. I, I want to switch from offense to defense here because we've done a lot of talk about the Najee, Najee Harris and the run game and the offensive line, and that's great. I think that's, that's, that is vital. But one thing that has been strong about Steelers defenses, and I, I will keep talking about this throughout the offseason, but one thing that I've always believed that the Steelers defenses got right of the past was that they were strong up the middle. You know, when you had when you look back to those Steelers defenses, they didn't necessarily have to have their best players up the middle, but they had to have very good to great players up to up the middle. You go through the 70s, you look at the Steel Curtain defense with Mean Joe Green and Ernie Holmes up the middle there on the, on the defensive line, Jack Lambert at middle linebacker, and then even safeties like uh uh safeties like like Mike Wagner and Donnie Shell there in this in, in, in the safe in the, at the safety position who can line up in the middle part of the field. That allowed the Steelers to have a strength in the middle so that they could trust guys on the outside to win, like Mel Blunt, Jack Ham, um, and JT Thomas, and other guys like that. Even the Steelers in the 2000s that were successful. You look up the middle. Who, who was up the middle? Casey Hampton, nose tackle, was was just mean, bad, and just ate people up. James Ferrier, inside linebacker, set the tone, was a captain on the field, was able to get was able to get so much done there. And then, of course, Troy Polamalu wouldn't always line up in the middle because he would just line up everywhere. But you had him lurking over the middle part of the field. And again, that strength allowed guys like Deshae Towns and Ike Taylor to live on the outside. The edge rushers could do their thing. But if you controlled the middle part of the field, that means you were shutting down the run. It means you were taking away short passes and you weren't giving up deep plays down the middle. If they're hitting deep plays, you're they're hopefully hitting them down the sidelines. And you're putting that you're putting your corners in positions where they have to just focus on specific jobs, which I think is a big part of it. So. What have the Steelers done for the middle of the defense? Well, defensive line, I think they still got it. They got Cam Hayward. They got Ogan Joby. They got uh, they, and they drafted Keanu Benton, who we talked about earlier this week, as maybe being the nose tackle for the team moving forward. Arthur Motes suggested that. But at linebacker, they have not addressed linebacker with a draft pick. They've gotten Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts, who I think are decent linebackers. But as we talked about with Arthur Motes, they're guys that, maybe won't be holding up in coverage too well. And the teams are going to try to pick at it at some way or shape or form. Now, maybe they'll be bringing in, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick. I think he's part of that middle equation when he goes in the deep middle. Um, but underneath in the middle, other guys that are going to help. Is DeMonte KZ going to roll him around there? How is Keanu Neal going to fit going to fit in there? And then they recently brought in Chandler Sullivan. And if you're wondering why Chandler Sullivan, you're like, well, he's definitely just an upgrade over Arthur, uh, Arthur Mollette. He'll be a really good slot corner. There's a chance for that. He's had more interceptions for sure. But here's Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings giving his take on Shannon Sullivan and what he meant to the Vikings secondary. Hey, what's up, Chris? What's up, Steelers fans? It's Luke Braun here from Locked On Vikings giving you a quick lowdown on Shannon Sullivan. Slot corner played for us last year. Um, it, it didn't work out with us with with Sullivan. I won't mince words about that. The Vikings didn't even they, they told him right at this outset of free agency that they weren't going to try to bring him back. And I think the reason for that was a you could kind of tell that offenses were trying to scheme 
looking to get him one-on-one with people. Like he was a bit of that marked man, but also there were a lot of coverage busts on the Vikings defense and Shannon Sullivan was involved in a lot of them. I, you can't really tell who messed up or what it was supposed to be. You just know that somebody was supposed to go here and somebody was supposed to go there and they both go there and you go, somebody messed up. But in a lot of those situations, it was Shannon Sullivan and someone else. And it was very often Shannon Sullivan and someone else. So he's either the most unlucky guy in the world, or he was responsible for a few coverage busts and communication issues that was all over the Vikings defense. So it's, it's not entirely his fault. Totally could have been a coaching thing, but uh, it just, it did not work out in Minnesota for kind of those reasons. I would say that if he is your anointed day one starter with no camp competition, I would say that that's probably something to be concerned about. So there you have it. Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings explaining who Shannon Sullivan is. And you're probably getting the same vibes that I get from, from hearing that thinking, okay, well, he's doesn't sound all that much better if he's, if he's giving up coverage bust. And I think one thing that, Arthur Mollette did did well was he would at least communicate well he would be in the right spot he just wasn't a guy you wanted matched up with really talented receivers in the slot because he wouldn't be able to keep up with the shiftier ones that had really good releases and ran good routes or were just bigger than him because they could they could kind of move him off the ball now Arthur Mollette's going to give you heart effort and fight and I think work uh, attention to detail there and maybe a change of settings will help that with Chad and Sul- Sullivan but we look at the how the Steelers are constructed right now and you think man there could be the, you know, that, that could be a weakness that defenses definitely pick at, especially because the, uh, the, the coverage linebacker situation combines with this slot and coverage linebacker right in the middle part of the field. Now for the Steelers, I think the only thing that works out for you here is that if you look at this defense, that's the main weakness that you look at. Granted, you still want to see how your outside corners fare with Patrick Peterson being a new ad, Joey Porter Jr. Being a new ad, Levi Wallace being solid there last year. That's not exactly you know, a surefire thing that they're, they're going to be a leader or anything like that, or even very good. But I think that you feel more comfortable about them based off the personnel that you brought in and the additions that you, that you've made there and defensive line edge rusher uh, and safety. I think you're, 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 you're probably happy about right now, but that middle part of the field, that's going to the short middle part of the field. That could be a place where teams pick at the Steelers that this year, and it could become a theme for this defense. Now, here's the thing about that is that, if you're able to be great in every other facet, if you're able to stuff the run, if you're able to have really good corner play on the outside, if your safeties are taking away the deep ball and making plays on, on errant, th- errant thrown passes, you might not be crushed by this. You might force to, an offense to have to dink and dunk over the middle so many times that eventually you take advantage of it and you catch them napping and, and catch a quarterback making a mistake and that you force them to be perfect for an 80-yard drive doing stuff like that. But again predicates itself on taking away the run, getting after the quarterback, and having good cornerback play on on the outsides to force that to be the thing. But but if if it is that thing, maybe this weakness can be negated. But as of right now, I still think this is um this is this is still something that Omar Khan needs to address. Now, we talked a little about this with Arthur Motes uh yesterday that there aren't that many um off-ball linebackers that really scream at you and think oh yeah they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna solve that problem uh you know uh Deion Deion uh Deion Jones like who was with the Browns recently he's a guy that kind of comes up in that conversation but you know other guys like Rashawn Evans he's more of a run stopper like the guys that they got uh Zach Cunningham you heard Arthur Motes talk talk about him so there's a lot of questions as far as can they get that guy and uh, maybe the answer is finding another slot corner. Maybe the answer is finding someone who's willing to 
work more over the over the middle. Um, but uh, I can tell you right now, as it stands on the Steelers roster, that's one of the bigger weaknesses that I see on it right now. And Omar Khan, he's done a very good job addressing a lot of the Steelers' weaknesses. He's he's brought up, brought in help for the left side of the offensive line. He got youth on the defensive line. He got a new tall, young tight end who can maybe be a better blocker and help with the run game as well. He got a cornerback for the outside who can maybe be the guy that takes up the torch as the next really, really important Steelers cornerback for the long term and Joey Porter Jr. Um, and he got a little bit of edge depth there in the fourth round with Nick Herbig, but still no linebacker, no slot corner. Those are going to be the spots. Now, as it stands right now, I believe according to overthecap.com, the Steelers should have about 7.4-ish uh, million uh, dollars left in cap space. Now that might need to be updated with rookie contracts and official things there um, and how that's going to fit out, but they can also still, I believe, maneuver some cap space to be open. I, I think that Omar Khan should still absolutely be involved. We talked a little about them adding another veteran edge out there in this, in this off season. still, I think adding other experience at off ball linebacker and, or the slot position are also important to kind of stabilizing this defense and making sure that that's not a glaring weakness that teams circle and say, hey, we don't want to go up against, we don't want to try to run against Cam Hayward. We don't want to try to test test TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith if they can get to our quarterback. We don't want to try to go after Patrick Peterson if he's playing well, if Joey Porter Jr. is playing well. You don't want to go after them. You know what we're going to go after? We're going to go after those linebackers that are primarily run stuffers, not pass cover guys, and force Chandon Sullivan or Arthur Motes to run with our slot guy in the, in the underneath middle part of the field. If that's a thing, it's going to be up to Terrell Lawson, defensive coordinator, and Mike Tom and the head coach to scheme up ways to protect that part of the field while not compromising other parts of it. Or it could be up to Omar Khan to make some more moves before the season starts to make sure that that's not something they have to as much compensate as much for conceptually. We'll talk more about that as the offseason rolls along. We got tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Steelers podcast, the Friday episode coming up. So stick with us here. Thanks so much for checking out the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We appreciate everyone who comes to the show and 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 uh and and listens to us. Remember you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting apps. You can also watch us on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. And if you want to have out the Lockdown Steelers podcast, go on Apple Podcast, leave us a five star you with a positive comment do both at the same time and you get a shout out at the end of the show like this person we have uh thank you thank you fly guy or ty 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 fly guy uh there's ty ty but he says five stars the best simply the best locked on host the best scoop on the pittsburgh steelers chris is the man makes my day listening to you and and your guests thank you so much fly guy i appreciate you for your five star review if you want your shout out go on apple podcast leave us a five star review with a positive comment do both at the same time you get you get a shout out just like that one we'll be back tomorrow with more here on your pittsburgh steelers i'm your host chris carter following twitter and instagram at carter critiques read my work at the pittsburgh post gazette and find me every day monday through friday right here on the locked on steelers podcast